To answer is human. To question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. I want to welcome you to another episode of the Hidden Gateway podcast. As always, I am your host, Justin Williams. Now, today's guest is Mr. Jim Gale. Jim is the founder and CEO of Food Force Abundance. Food Force Abundance was established in 2020 as a way to help people grow their own food and has blossomed into a global movement to help people become more self-reliant. Its mission is to build a free, healthy, and abundant society for generations to come. Today, we are going to get to know Jim a bit and also talk about his dream for humanity. Jim, welcome to the Hidden Gateway Podcast. How you doing, my friend? Oh, man, I'm doing doing wonderful, Justin, and thank you for having me on your show and to all your guests and listeners out there. Thank you for listening. I believe that by the end of this podcast, you're going to feel good. You're going to feel even better than you do now, and uh, we're going to show you a way to earn freedom that is incredible. It's fun. It's joyful. It's profitable. It's loving and everybody wins. Awesome, man. That is excellent. So, you know, I, I've been, you know, researching you, man. I, I think I first learned about you maybe about two weeks ago from from Mark, you know, I was, you know, from you know, my family thinks some crazy podcast. And uh man, you are an amazing person and you're doing some amazing thing. You have lived quite the amazing life. So if you could just take take a little time to to tell us about that, man. Absolutely. Um, I, I grew up in Minnesota. I grew up on a little lake and um, they called me nature boy growing up. I loved playing with the frogs and the turtles and the snakes. And I was always coming home with mud, you know, <laughs> up to my waist. And anyway, I just love nature. I love being outside. And then um, I was a wrestler. I got into wrestling when I was about nine, 10 years old. And that helped transform me to understand that that competitiveness and that um, like action and that really going for it in your life. And th- this was one of the most pivotal moments in my life was when my college wrestling coach, Dr. Gary Rushing, asked all of the um, wrestlers in the room, said, everybody, you need to write your goals. It was the beginning of the year. Write your goals. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that. I did not like the pen and paper. I was not like... If they would have had the diagnosis of ADD back then, they probably would have diagnosed me ADD. To this day, I cherish whatever they call that because I never paid attention in school. Um, and I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying that my mind was so creative and so I was daydreaming all the time. 
All right, daydreamers are stifled in our society when yes. it's the daydreamer that actually changes the society. You know, I think it was uh, Einstein who said, um, no, uh, imagination is more important than knowledge for knowledge tells us what is and imagination tells us what will be. Mm. So my college wrestling coach said, everybody write their goals. It was Friday night and I went home and I got really drunk that night. And then next night I probably got really drunk because that's just what we did, right? right 19, right. almost 20. Uh -huh. And then it was this paper was on my desk and it was nagging me and it was saying, Jim, you got to fill this out because this is for wrestling. And I'm like, ah, geez. So anyway, I started writing around six o'clock on a Sunday night and I didn't stop for hours. That was the most important thing up to that point in my life that I had ever done relative to the future that I wanted to have. It was the first time that I actually started imagining myself in the future in a way that was inspiring and compelling. I wrote down that I wanted to be a national champion, All-American, three-time All-American. And as a result of creating that vision for myself, I, I worked harder. In fact, people would come up to wow. me in the room and they'd say, Jim, you work so hard in the room. I go, really? I'm just having fun. I don't feel like I'm working at all. <laughs> in fact, I was, uh, I was a redshirted freshman um, and they voted me captain of the wrestling team in college as a freshman, which is pretty rare in the NCAA. That is, yeah, that is quite amazing, man. That's yeah. wow. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And it was because I was just so, I just was so into it. Like I was having so much fun. So then years passed after college, I moved to Hawaii, lived there for four years, had a blast. And I got a backpack and I, I traveled the world. I went to about 47 countries on about a $10 a day budget. Hmm. Um, I actually went to Surfer's Paradise. I bought a car in Sydney and I had my backpack and I started driving on the left side of the road, right in the heart of Sydney. Nice. And I drove up the coast until I got to this town, Surfer's Paradise. And I just liked the energy there. So I... I got a job bartending on the strip. Everybody said, "There's you can't get a job here because you're not legal. You don't have residency. I said, I'll get a job. It was like a day and a half I had a job. And <laughs> it was a, a lot of fun. And every day I was a bartender. So every day I would go to Bond University, the local college there. And I, I, I didn't pay to go to school. I just walked into, into their library and I looked up books. I looked up um, the greats, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, and Ziegler, and Jim Rohn. And still to this day, one of my favorites is Dennis Waitley, The Psychology of Winning. Nice. Oh, gosh, that's nice. amazing. So, I, so for about three and a half, four months, I every day I was immersed in that because I was done bartending. Like I knew I was almost 30 years old, and I knew I wanted to do something else with the rest of my life. And as I started learning what was possible – it absolutely blew my mind. I'm like, why didn't I learn this in school? This is like way more relevant and inspiring and motivating and educational than yep. anything I learned in freaking school. Wow. So I wrote my goals for the second time. And I wrote that I would like to have, my goal was to have $3 million in three years. And now considering I had a teaching degree that hadn't been mailed to me yet, <laughs> I had because I really didn't finish the couple classes. They ended up mailing it to me later because I was inducted in the National Hall of Fame. And in order to wow. have a Hall of Famer, they had to have graduated. So gotcha. for political reasons, the school mailed me my degree. <laughs> um, I love that. Politics is, is a fun oh, thing. Oh, talk about it. <laughs> right? 
<laughs> so yeah, I wrote my goals again. And then um, three and a half years later, the company that I started with no industry knowledge did about $1.3 billion in total revenue. Ooh. And then I bought a boat and lived on the ocean for a year. Right. I, I saw where you retired at what, 33, right? Yeah. That yeah. is awesome, man. That is uh, amazing. Yeah. And I want to share that I was a failure in school. Like I got C's so I could wrestle. I was a okay. failure in the wrestling room a couple years in my life. And so it was actually the failures. Um, in fact, I had a, I was a part owner of a bar in Hawaii and I completely failed at that. You know, I invested my money. I lost about half of it um, before I traveled. But it was the failures that taught me the most about life and the most about, you know, how to do things. So this idea of failure, there's no such thing as failure. There's just like, okay, that didn't work. And why didn't it work? And how can I do it better next time? That's excellent, man. You know, one one of the many things that I admire about you is you don't talk about what you want to do. You talk about what you're going to do. Yeah. You know, just like when you told the story about getting the job, when everybody said, oh, you can't get a job here. You're, you're not a local. You're not from here. Yeah. And you said, no, I'm getting a job. Yeah. And I picked up on that when I was doing my research on you, watching some of your videos. And another thing that I like, and I would like you, if you would, please to touch on this a bit is it seems like you have a spiritual side to you as well, right? Now, you talked about writing down those goals in college. That was kind of like one of the most important things you did at that time. But I also learned and heard you say where you talked about meditation, you talked about source, manifestation, uh, the great awakening and consciousness. Tell me a little bit about that and how that actually ties into your company. Well, I would say that that's everything. Like I literally, like we're spirit, we are source, playing a divine game or having a divine experience. The experience of Jim Gale is my experience at this present moment, but we are all part of something absolutely bigger. And this, again, was one of the failures in life led me to ask new questions. And and that's what's Mm -hmm. going on right now. There's such epic contrast in the world. Right now, there's suffering and pain, but it's also the apocalypse. And by the way, that, that word has been misused. The apocalypse is a wonderful thing. It means the great revealing or the unmasking, right? Oh, wow. We're starting to wake up past the mind control. And this is the foundation of, of, of the enslavement is govern, which means to manage or control and mente, which means mind, right? What's the opposite of governmente? It's enlightenment. It's freedom of mind. So I um, actually had, after I did really well in the mortgage industry, bought a boat, lived on the ocean for a year, and then I moved to Costa Rica. And that's when I had my first two daughters. I learned permaculture and I read pilled all at the same, all within the same like six month period. Wow. That's a lot, man. That's hefty. That, that goes into another word you talked about in one of your videos, which is destiny, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, since you brought that destiny up now, I've never been a believer in destiny because I don't, I don't like to think that our lives are scripted. However, I do think that there's a potential for all of us. And the potential for all of us is to help manifest and create abundance. The Garden of Eden, for instance, not from a religious perspective, because I'm hyper aware that re-legions or rebind are tools of enslavement, right? Yes. And the fear yes. that these, these government tools promote is, is a control tool. It's, it's the number one control tool is fear. Right. right. So 
Um, so, and, and interestingly, that segues to the next thing. I lost everything that I had made because once I started learning about permaculture combined with having kids combined with red pilling, I learned that we are destroying our world at an exponential and, and speeding up rate. And at the same time, I learned permaculture and I learned that, in fact, Bill Mollison said, though the problems of our world are increasingly complex, the solutions remain embarrassingly simple. Oh, and I started bawling when I read that. Oh, wow, man. It, it okay. was 2007, eight. I had lost most of what I had earned. And I was worried about the world for my kids. And I was thinking, what's the world going to be like? And all these things were happening. I read that. I started bawling. And I decided that moment, I said, I'm going to focus all my energy and on the solutions to these problems. And I became obsessed with it. And you know, when you're obsessed with something for, it was about 14 years ago, and just the last year, one year ago, approximately, I changed it from being obsessed to joyfully obsessed. Joyfully obsessed. That tweak, that energetic shift has led to a magical year, an off the charts year of magic. And we'll unpack that a little bit as we go. That is phenomenal, man. That is phenomenal. Wow. So grew up in Minnesota. Uh, you were a wrestler. I mean, one of the best wrestlers in NCAA history, Mr. Hall of Fame, right? That is amazing. Uh, you traveled the world. You know, you um, you went through this experience in Sydney. I, no, Costa Rica, you said, right? Yeah. Sydney was a great one. Costa Rica was the next one. Yeah. And, and that's also where I had my first um, uh, ayahuasca ceremonies. Oh my goodness. That was one of my questions for you, uh, about plant medicine. Yeah. Um, I had, I participated, I should say in an ayahuasca ceremony, uh, April of last year, 21, uh, life changing. We, we can definitely get into that in a little bit, man. It, yeah. Oh my goodness. That's, tell me, oh, like, how my, was that life changing? I love these. Oh stories. my goodness, man. So, um, you know, so as I mentioned before, I live in the Phoenix area and, uh, I was able to link up with, uh, with a shaman and uh, I went to Tucson. We were outside uh, in the desert under the stars. And so it was a shaman, his crew and about 30 other people. And uh, it was a three day, cer- th- three nights, I should say. We arrived at the ceremony site at about 7 p.m. And we were there till about seven, eight o'clock the, the following morning. And the best way for me to describe it, and my listeners have heard me say this uh, many times on, on the show, I literally walked with source for three days, man, three nights in the desert, literally it. Uh, and it was a different lesson each night. Uh, the first night, first night, uh, the lesson was it is we're in spiritual warfare. It's spiritual warfare going on in the spiritual realm as well as on our planet. Right. And um, God source, whatever we may we want to call it. Um, he just took me on this journey of realization where I became aware of the spiritual warfare. I went to these different dimensions. I went to this, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say it was hell, but it was a place where there was a lot of suffering souls, suffering spirits. Um, this night too was all about love, man, and oneness and how we are truly all connected. We are connected to the earth. We are connected to each other. Kind of like what you said also when you, when you early on, you mentioned that we are all the divine having an experience individually. You know, um, and night, night three was, was all about being thankful and what's to come. So it helped me realize my purpose, 
um, during the spiritual warfare. I have a purpose here to, I'm a part of uh, um, the sources army, you know, and I'm still learning more and more about that. And this podcast is, is, is a part of that, but I mean, it was just, it. it was phenomenal, man. It, it really it, was. Yeah. Life changing, <laughs> right? Yes, absolutely. So I've been in about seven ceremonies now and mm-hmm. I've had their average of about 15 to 20 people. So let's call it a hundred people that I was with. And I'd like to get your numbers to, to see if they reflect this. I ask everybody, because I'm a curious, scientific-minded person. I like numbers. I like metaphor. I like all these different things. And so I asked everybody, how was it for you? And 100% of the people um, said they were glad they did it. Two people said, you know, I didn't really feel much. They were stoned. They were stoned and it messed it all up. <laughs> like, okay. And I'm not saying stone is bad. I'm saying you don't want to be stoned the day you're doing ayahuasca or the no. day before. You want right. to clear your mind. You want to purge your body. You want to eat well. You don't, you know, you want to do things in practice that raise your vibration already. So then when you go into the experience, it's even better, right? Yes. Everybody else I talk to, and I'm talking major heroin addicts and coke addicts and sex addicts and gambling addicts and all these different addictions, right? And addiction is a form of slavery, right? You're a slave to whatever diseases you or addicts you. And Mm. every one of them said the same basic thing, said, I don't want that no more. I don't, because they were looking for the connection, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And something about these plant medicines, which have been illegal, made illegal by the same entities that patent and mandate the poisons that mm-hmm. they're forcing our yes. world, yep. right? Yep. Which is so right. interesting and logical once you realize that this is a spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that was my experience is is connection with source at such a deep level that I realized and then all these quotes kept spinning through my mind and all these different things that I had learned like uh, Napoleon Hill whatever the mind of, uh, of man or woman can conceive and believe it can achieve mm. right it, is, is that just a fancy poem <laughs> no that's, that's true freaking real man that's, that's right truth. so then I said okay if that's true then what can my mind conceive and believe? And that's where the obsession turning to the joyful obsession came into fruition, right? Uh, Is I conceive and believe that we are changing the world and that the ideas that we're talking about in the show are going to catalyze a shift in consciousness leading to mass adoption of the most logical freaking thing we could ever do. And that's be self-reliant, be free, be joyful, be courageous and happy. And then that includes creating the Garden of Eden or Eden or source (laughs) abundance (laughs) everywhere around us. Oh, man, that is amazing. That is amazing. True manifestation. And yeah. like you said, everything you said, man, we were created to to do a lot of those things, man. All yeah. everything that you mentioned, plus plus much more. And um, that, that was part of my lesson as well during my ayahuasca journey. I, I tell you what, um, those three nights were probably three of the hardest nights of my life. Um, and after doing that, I had this newfound confidence that I can do any and everything that I want to do. I can manifest yeah. anything. It was almost as if, because man, I, I saw demons, I heard spirits, everything, right? And so it was almost as if, imagine a storm, a hurricane or a storm. And I was like in the eye of that storm, but I had peace, right? As long as I stayed focused yes. on source. But yes. it's so, when I let my mind wander, 
then that's when they would these things would really tempt me and, and just try to get at me. Right. But when, then I then I got it together and it was just I had this piece. I had this armor, this strength. And man, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. So uh, enough I, about. Oh, go ahead. I'd like to share because for me, I practicing this and really meditating into it. There's a difference between controlling and allowing. Right. Mm, and okay. when we're trying to control an experience, and that's where the obsession, that implies fear, that implies effort, that implies yes. concern and worry, right. right? When I tweaked it to joyful obsession, I let go of all of the effort. And I literally went from zero to $20 million in net worth to negative $80,000, Mm-hmm. Right. And I didn't have a job. My, 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 uh, business was shut down by the government. You know, people say COVID or <laughs> shut this down. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. COVID right, didn't right. shut anything down. Government shut it down. There you go. Right? There and you that's, go. that was part of the, the, the strategy right now that's going on. But, um, so yeah, when I stopped trying to control it and I started meditating into allowing it, mm-hmm. it's just, it's magic every day, all day long. Man, and and I love that you said that because that was one of my lessons in 2020, right? Uh, you know, everybody talks about, oh, 2020 was horrible. I tell people all the time, 2020 was no doubt the best year of my life, right? Okay. I, I started meditating for the first time ever, you know, which was, again, another life-changing thing for me. Um, and when you talk about that F word, that fear that you brought up several times, right? I had to learn how to deal or control fear and not let it control me. So I did something that I always said I would never do, which was go skydiving. And that was another life changing. So, you know, I did the, I did, I started meditation. I went skydiving in 2020. I started uh, the Hidden Gateway podcast. And then about three or four months later in April, I participated in this, in the ayahuasca ceremony for three nights. And so here I am changing my life, manifesting. And now I'm thinking, well, what can I do more? I have I have the podcast. What can I do more to help people? That's what it's all about. Giving back is something that you are obviously doing with Food Forest Abundance. So, you know, I want to hear all about that. my Awesome. Friend. But before we go there, I have one more question for you. Earlier, you spoke about permaculture. Can you break that down for me? What exactly yes. is permaculture? Because I know that ties in. Yeah, permaculture is the foundation of of our freedom from a physical point of view. Uh, permaculture stands for permanent agriculture, which okay. was a design science. It's an agricultural design science that takes what nature has to offer, which is infinite abundance, and designs it to satisfy or to the desires of humanity which when it's done right, also include habitat for nature on every level, because that's what's good for humanity, right? We are nature in, 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 in a lot of physical ways. We are part of source. Everything is part of the same source. And um, so permaculture was started uh, back in, the, I believe it was the 60s, uh, 50s, 60s by Bill Mollison and David Holmgren. And then many other greats came into it, Jeff Lawton and many, many more. Now there are millions of permaculturalists around the world that their, their passion is to create abundance and to demonstrate how logical it is. So I'll give you an example. A permaculture food forest compared to a monoculture, right? You got the soybeans and the corn and the wheat, and you've got these massive fields of one crop. That is absolutely not natural. And that's the 
what creates plagues and infestations because mm. you've got a certain type of bug that likes a certain type of crop and you get those bugs in and pretty soon you've got a locust problem where okay. you've got trillions of locusts eating everything in sight, right? And you've heard the biblical plague problems. It's because of human um, failures in agriculture. However, on the flip side, when you create a permaculture design system, it's designed with diversity as the foundation of its strength. So we've got, we just planted about five or 600 plants here at Gulf's Landing. We're building an off-grid community, demonstrating this with a studio. Mm -hmm. And we've got over a hundred different species out of the 500 different plants. So there's no five or six or seven plants in the same 10 or 15 foot area. They're all different. So you go down the rows and you see, okay, that little plant has some little bugs eating some leaves. But then you see the wasps coming in and the spiders coming in. And wasps and spiders are our frontline generals. They're okay. our protectors. They're on our side, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. And they take out the parasites. Then you've got your dragonflies coming in, eating the mosquitoes. And we actually are planting plants that the dragonflies lay their larvae in. And we're putting up bat boxes and possum boxes because bats kill mosquitoes and possums are the wood ticks number one um, killer. I mean, possums eat tens of thousands of wood ticks a year. Oh, right? okay. Okay. So, so basically it's using natural systems. It's using God given source given systems to create an expansive and abundant uh, food forest. Wow. Food forest. Okay. And, Obviously, in in many states, how many states are you in right now? Uh, almost all of them. Um, we launched okay. nine months ago, and we just pat we just got our our hundredth cooperative partner, and mm -hmm. we've got um, designs all over the world. We're in about seventeen or eighteen countries, and oh, almost wow. all the states. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now, I want to ask you about a, a video uh, that you have on your on on your. Uh, your YouTube channel, uh, to Elon Musk to end world hunger. Tell me about that. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. So, um, Elon Musk and this guy from the UN were having a little debate for public consumption, right? He, this guy said, if Elon spent 2% of his net worth, he could end world hunger. And Elon said, okay, you give me a plan and I'll write a check tomorrow. I'll sell my stock and I'll, I'll, I'll hand it over, right? He's basically challenging him. And I saw that and I said, Elon, I've got the plan. You want to really end world hunger with $6 billion, which is 2% of his net worth. We could put million dollar food forests and educational centers, simple kiosks in 6,000 of the world's biggest cities. Hmm. That one thing would end world hunger, mass extinction, deforestation, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and all of the forms of tyranny because it would demonstrate what a food forest is and how logical it is on every level. Oh, man, that's awesome. That is awesome. Now, do yes. you think Elon was serious when he said that or or is he part of the, the matrix himself and, um, and just throwing that out there? We'll know for sure. If he doesn't take me up on it, if he doesn't start <laughs> doing this thing, then he's part of the matrix. And there you so go. far, that's, that's what I think he is. I think he's part of the matrix. I've right. loved his, like, I liked his persona, his, you know, he pays how many, how many hundreds of millions of dollars in marketing to create a good persona and, you know, right. and coaches, right? Uh -huh. Just like Rockefellers, just like all these guys. I loved his persona until I started learning more, more recently that, you know, the, the well of, of parasites is deep. 
Um, I also said the same thing to the church. I did a, a, a same type of video to the Catholic Church. Catholic if the Catholic Church, church spent 1% of their resources to actually create the Garden of Eden everywhere, it would be done like that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Now, now tell me about these zones and plants that grow best in these zones. I heard you mention something about that. What is that all about? So, yes. Yeah, so when we're looking at a design for a food forest, the first thing we look at is what grows naturally in that area already. Right? Cause mm. when you bring things in from other areas, they may or may not work. So a lot of people have these different BSs that belief systems and bad science and bullshit about growing food. They think I have a brown thumb, a black thumb. I can't, I don't have the time, the money, the space. All of that is not really true. It's what Henry Kissinger's strategy, it's a result of the strategy. When he said, if you want to control nations, control oil. If you want to control people, control food. Right? Mm-hmm. That's the strategy of a slave master. That's mm-hmm. how they do it. They control the brain and the mind through governmente, through fear, and they control our bodies through controlling the food supply. Right now, basically, two companies control the whole food supply and pretty much everything else. Yeah. Okay. That, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you, what do you say to people that say, I don't have time, the money or the know-how? Obviously, with the know-how, that's when you and your company come in. But for people that throw all those other excuses out there, they just need to they need to do it. They can do it. People can obviously do anything they want if it's important to them, right? Or, yeah. you know, it should be done. We're talking about humanity, <laughs> right? Yeah. And and yeah. what you have going on without doubt is, I mean, it's the future, man. It's 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 the now, actually. It's I should the even next say the logical step for humanity. Yeah. And and here's the fun part is our my joyful duty is to inspire this shift because mm-hmm. the world has been operating on violence and force for well, hundreds of years, if not forever. Right. And that violence and force, to get out of the violence and force, we have to inspirit people. We have to work with enthusiasm, right? Enthusiasm. And we have to raise the vibration. Tesla said, if you want to find the secrets to the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. So I'm like, okay, is that just fancy words? What does that mean? Well, it means take a breath and feel your hands. Like I can feel my, I can feel the energy in my hands. I can feel and be aware of my stomach. I can hear the buzz of the universe. I can feel all these different things. When we allow our minds to go to a relaxed state, mm-hmm. especially when we have an intention going in, like I, you set the intention, you throw it to God, to source, to the universe, and then you let your mind clear. And all of a sudden these ideas will come. Yes. And if the idea feels inspired or in spirit or joyful, then chase that idea. Don't chase it. Encompass it. Embrace it. Love it. Take action, inspired action towards the realization, the realization of that idea. And that's going to lead to a magical life. Magical life. And that's, I think that's what people want, or or at least I know that's what people need, right? That peace, that magical life that, like you said, we have so many things coming at us. We have this, this darn disease and these jabs. We have all this stuff you see online and TV, but we need that peace. We need to slow down, right? We need to slow down, take those deep breaths and and get in tune. That's awesome, man. Um, Food coin. Yeah. Cryptocurrency is something that I saw you have coming down the line, which I'm very excited about because uh, I've been in uh, the crypto world for a few years now and, uh, you know, learning more and more about it. Um, 
you know, but uh, tell me, tell me what, what you have going on in that, in that field. So what, as these ideas come, like when we started, we launched nine months ago, it was me full time, like 20 hours a day. And it was, uh, I had two part-time partners, uh, Ian, Dr. Ian Scott, lead of our design and Travis Wholesome, a uh, longtime friend wrestler. And we launched and it's, I've been using these foundational principles of, of meditation the whole way through. And these ideas come about, I look at it kind of like a puzzle. Like what is, how do we solve the riddle or solve the puzzle? And the puzzle is how do we create freedom on a global scale? Mm-hmm. Right. So then all these things are coming at me. Like we decentralized currency, you know, the currency, it's like an electrical thing, right? It's the stored value of the people. And it's another way that we are enslaved. You know, Geerta said, none are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, when I first heard I was a slave, I said, I'm not a slave. Shut up. I can do whatever I want. Well, wait a minute. I, I had to pay, you know, quarter million dollars in taxes one year. Mm-hmm. Where did that money go to? And mm-hmm. what would happen if I didn't pay it? Right. Well, it went to wars. It went to propaganda. It went to corporations. It went, <laughs> right? Right. And if I didn't pay it, I go to jail. That's mm-hmm. slavery, my friends. Right? Yes, it is. So to, when we realize that, then we can start taking action towards the freedom. So currency is one of the primary tools of enslavement. In fact, that Kissinger quote at the end, he said, if you want to control the world, control the world's currency. And a little tiny history background. Um, Rothschild, back 400 years ago, said, I'm, my kids are going to go across all the continents and we're going to control the world's currency. 200 years later, I think it was Mayor Rothschild said, I care not which puppet sits on the throne of England when I control its currency. Now, present day, it's the same families that control the same thing, the meaning at Jekyll Island and all this stuff. So it's super easy and clear to see once you see it. Hmm. So then if that's the problem, then Victor Hugo's quote is still, I bawled when I first realized the epic importance of this. There's one thing stronger than all of the armies of the world. And that is an idea whose time has come. And this is the idea. The idea is enlightenment. It's freedom. It's self-reliance. It's food for us everywhere as the foundation. So um, the crypto idea came as I've got some cryptos too, a couple of years back. And I started saying, we need to take a crypto that isn't fiat, that is actually backed by something. Right. Because all fiat monies fail. 100% in history have failed. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they fail like the tulips overnight. You know, pretty, you can buy a house for a tulip one month and the next month it's not worth a damn thing. Right, right. right. Um, so I said, what would be the best decentralized money? And I, I'd say tying a crypto to the food production is probably the most logical source of value that I could imagine. So then we started playing with it and bringing in people and experts. And we now are on path to launch a crypto that is backed by food production and then creating these networks around it where you've got your producers that put in a food forest. Maybe they spend 20 or 30,000 and they allocate a certain percentage of their yield of their production to the crypto network. Now you've got a local source and then they can monetize their food force so they can buy other goods and services with that exchange of value. Wow, man. I've never heard of anything like that. That definitely has to be obviously original and one of a kind. That is amazing, yeah. my friend. That is amazing. So, I mean, it's, it's, 
a wonderful thing that you're doing, Jim. I mean, when I think about, um, you know, the GMOs and, and the pesticides that are, are sprayed on, on foods, um, when I think about the shortages that we see going on, uh, in, in our country. I mean, every local market, it seems like is empty shelves damn near, right? Yeah. So this really seems like something that people need to take advantage of and, and get involved with. And I, I just love how you have it in, uh, just about every state and in several countries as well. So that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now walk me through, uh, the, the stages. So obviously someone that's interested, they contact your company and then what do you guys go? You, you send someone out to their, their home and yeah. how does that work? So everything starts with design. Our target market is the suburban backyard. That's the people we want to serve because there are 40 to 50 million acres of lawn in the United States alone. Lawns take more poisons and more human resources than any other crop. Right, right. If we simply used our resources wisely and turned that into edible regenerative landscapes or food forests, like I said, we would reverse all the forms of disease and disease in the world. Like, boom, like that. So we start with the design process. We'll take whatever space you have, whether it be a 400 square foot piece of property on the ground, even indoor designs, or we're doing 100 plus acre uh, communities in Africa and mountaintops in California and resorts in mm -hmm. Thailand. We will design the space to be productive with very minimal effort. And, and the, so permaculture is a science of... Um, the exchange of value, right? So a, a sustainable system is a system that produces as much or more energy than it takes to create and maintain, right? A, an abundant system, which is a permaculture food forest, produces infinitely more energy than it takes to create and maintain. Hmm. In other words, you could put a food forest in your yard and you could literally leave it for 30 years and come back 30 years later and you're going to have a whole bunch of food, right? Hmm. Most people, however, they'll get a food forest. In fact, Dr. Ian Scott, my partner, he's got a tenth of an acre backyard and it's loaded with food. He's got over a hundred different perennial plants and a bunch of annuals. He's got over 70 different varieties of food growing in his tenth of an acre backyard. I asked him the other day, I said, how much do you work in your, in your food forest? He goes, Oh, about a half an hour a day. I said, Ian, how much do you work in your food forest? He goes, never. Never, huh? Oh, I like that. <laughs> it's you, you want to be, and I've seen him work out there. He just stands around and smiles. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome, man. That is yeah, awesome. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Yeah. Now, uh, on your website, you had a video, you have a video on there. And uh, in that video, you touch on this uh, scandemic that I like to call that's been going on for the last two years. And you say, you say that people are following the narrative and covering their faces and you can't see their smiles. I believe is, is you said something like that. Um, I have a question for you. Do you believe uh, a particular diet would be able to counteract the effects of the jab? I believe that spirit can do anything. Okay. Absolutely like anything. That. And right, right. spirit along with the, what, what is spirit? Spirit is an awareness Right. It's 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 a lot more than that. But in, in a simple term, it's an awareness. And when we are aware, then we're not going to eat foods grown with poisons. We're not mm -hmm. going to think that they're convenient. 
I mean, convenient. That's it's so opposite of the truth. You get convenient to go to McDonald's and and stuff yourself with a Big Mac and fries and a Coke and a shake or whatever. No, you didn't save twenty or thirty minutes. You just cost yourself an hour or two of your day. And if you do that over time, you just cost yourself five, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years of your life. Ooh. Is that convenient? No, but the it's the awareness between stopping there and, and putting that food in your mouth, which it tastes freaking good. Why does it taste good? Because it's manu- it's chemically made for one reason, to trick your taste buds into yes. thinking that it tastes yep. good. It's a scam, yep. Yep. right? So we step back from that and we look at that and we we relate that to pain. And I, I've helped hypnotize several people where they were mm. addicted to a particular thing. And you take that thing, Tony Robbins does this really well. You take that thing and you start looking at that and seeing what it actually is. You look at the disgusting and imagine it rotting. Imagine it causing cancer and disease and disease. Imagine it stopping your kids from having you at their wedding. Like really anchor and link the 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 pain to that thing that you're addicted to and you'll break the addiction. Wow. Phenomenal, man. Phenomenal. I'm glad you brought up the McDonald's piece as well, because during this whole time, these last two years, there has not been one mention of diet and healthy living. You know, I think the the most severe COVID cases have been shown to be with people that are obese. Yeah. Right. If I'm, you know, I think I read that a few times and it's just like they don't they don't speak about that. And then another thing there was early suppression as well as to how the diet, how diet and specifically like vitamin C and D and zinc may lessen the effects of, of COVID as well. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Is that just uh, part of their, their plan, but what they're trying to do in, in regards to getting people to get the jab or whatnot? Yeah, this is an agenda that has been in the works for a long, long time. I keep seeing it keeps going back. The more I research it, the farther back it goes, how long this agenda has been in the works. One of the best documents for me was Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. Fantastic document that lays out, even names the players, and it says how they're going to control the industries and control the minds. And then they use these tools to control the population according to their whims and wills and whatever they just decide. And that's another thing that people are not the problem. People are amazing. We're beautiful. We're <laughs> loving. We don't need, uh, we don't need a commandment telling us not to kill our neighbor. Are you kidding me? How many people <laughs> right. want to? Oh, there's no commandment. Now I'm going to go kill my neighbor. That's just insane, but wow. that's part of the control grid. In yeah. fact, over 90% of people that were recorded to have died of this thing that has not been isolated in a lab had 2.4 or 2.6 comorbidities. They were going to die anyway. And then what the doctors get, these administrations get insane money for listing COVID. Yeah. In fact, in Costa Rica, um, they had zero COVID cases or maybe one COVID case. And then the WHO shows up and then the next day they had like 256 because they changed how they reported COVID. They said, okay, wait a minute. Here's the list of how you decide if somebody has it. And if, if they have any of these symptoms, list them down as having COVID. If they die, list them down as having COVID. And guess what? We'll do an exchange. We'll pay you tens of thousands of dollars per person. Ooh, we. It's a scam from start to finish. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to see that. And that's the programming. And that's what we're waking up from. 
Yeah. Wow. All right, Jim. Uh, one last question for you, my friend. One thing I have each and every guest do that comes on the Hidden Gateway podcast is leave our listeners with what I like to call a token of love, simply something that they can take with them as they continue their journey. Um, it can be a minute. It can be three minutes, whatever you feel comfortable with, if awesome, you would, brother. please. Uh, well, I'd like to share that we are bringing on people, anybody who wants to be in the business, wants to have a career, helping people to be free and joyful and helping people to grow food, join us. This is what we're doing. And we're giving back all of our net monthly profits. Now, we we teach, proudly teach regenerative capitalism. Capitalism is the voluntary exchange of value as opposed to socialism and communism, which are literally rooted in force and violence. They're the forced exchange of value, right? So we teach this and we invite people to join us who want to do this. And then we take that energy and we transition that and we use that money to plant food forests in public areas, schools and mm, churches and food banks like and that. community centers. And in fact, it looks like we'll be getting a $54 million contract here very soon awesome. to work with schools. They're if great. anybody out there listening has extra funds and you want to invest, whether it's donate or invest in a logical corporation, we have Grow Green Global, which is a fund that actually finances the installation of food forests. Mm. And then it all fits. It's all fitting together again, very divinely and magically. And so I would say that that's my offering to anybody listening. If you want to do this in any way, you can do it for 20 bucks. You can do it where you make your life out of it. Um, we are inviting you to participate in any way that inspires you. Excellent, man. Thank you so much for that. And could you let our listeners know how they can connect with you, website, social media, YouTube, etc.? Absolutely. So I would like to offer you this, uh, Justin, is we have a, um affiliate link that anybody can sign up for. And we also have the cooperative business model. The affiliate link, you just... Anybody who can do that, anybody who wants to do that can do that. So I would suggest that they look, um, we'll tag that maybe to this podcast and right. then they can click on that affiliate link. They can either get a food forest landscape blueprint for your yard or they can become a cooperative. And uh, so that would be the best way. You can also find us at foodforestabundance.com. But thank you, Justin, to you, I would say click on that link that would be the best way to find us because then you get compensated for the value that you have brought to them and to us and to the world. Oh, very good, man. Very good. Thank you much for that. Thank you much. Yeah. Well, hey, Jim, I want to thank you wholeheartedly for coming on the Hidden Gateway podcast. I really enjoyed this conversation. I love what you're doing for humanity. You are fighting the good fight. Blessings to you. Keep keep it up, man. There's some great things in store for you and your company, man. Um, you're doing things the right way. And yeah. uh, that is something I, I, I have much gratitude for. So for, thank you for, for all you do, sir. Oh, thank you, brother. And thank you to everybody listening. Let's grow food. It's time. All right. And to our audience, we really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hidden Gateway podcast. Remember, you can connect with us at thehiddengateway.com. If you would like to speak to us, send us an email at support at thehiddengateway.com. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. This is going to conclude this week's episode. Until next time, stay positive, stay questioning, be love, and be free. The Hidden Gateway, out.